Hello and welcome along to another edition of the Station H podcast for 5Mag, hosted as always by me, Will Sumsuch. This time we're coming to you live and direct from the Brighton Music Conference 2019, which is a small industry conference on the south coast of England. I'm joined in the corner of a very noisy anteroom off the main conference drag by our perennial sparring partner Richard Earnshaw, fellow 5Mag writer Harold Heath, Massey Deeker from Strictly Underground Music and the Deep Beats Hit Parade, both of which I recommend you check out, and also for the first time by music industry veteran and Brighton DJ Nick Titchener. What you're about to hear is an unedited, freewheeling, one-hour conversation in which the crew discuss Richard Earnshaw's debut appearance on a BMC panel, the distance between appearance and reality in the music business, and how holding in a poop might just be the key to playing a really great DJ set. I really hope you enjoy this unpolished one-hour chat with three of the most entertaining gentlemen I know in the music industry. Right, I am here at Bright Music Conference 2019. That's right, isn't it? With our yearly catch-up with Richard Earnshaw. Hi. <laughs> with Harold Heath. Hello. Who is a turncoat and is here representing another publication. Several other <laughs> publications, in fact. Several? Several. Brilliant. Sorry. Well, lucky you. Oh, you slutty person. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get around, my friend. <laughs> also with Nick Titchener. Hello. And with Massey Deeker. Hey. Yeah. So, so. Uh, Richard, this year you finally made it to a panel. I did. So, I mean, you're probably going to be less inclined to rant as much as as much as we have in previous. Because <laughs> I've all ranted out. Yeah. How, um, did, how did it go? It was. You had a difficult subject to tackle. It was a very difficult subject to tackle. Um, copyright and sampling in dance music simply cannot be condensed into one hour. Um, but. You know, it's it was a it was a really good, um, uh, a varied panel as well. You know, various um, experiences of those that have sampled, want to sample, or have been sampled. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, it's, again. You know, like I said, it was an hour. It wasn't really long enough to fully get into the stride. You know, we only covered and sort of glossed over sort of the obvious um, subjects like the understanding of. IP and different types of, um, but you know we didn't really fully get into the whole uh, exploitation of IP and the restrictions of it. If you don't have clearance, if you've used a sample or all this kind of stuff, but no, it was, it was nice to weigh in a little bit. So one of the things that you touched on, Richard, actually, is kind of it's, it's a good place to bring Nick in because you mentioned that kind of back in the day you could maybe press a thousand bits of vinyl before before something peaked and someone yeah. swooped and went, "Hello, you need to clear this." Um, and Nick, that's much more your history in terms. That's how of, old uh, I am. Yeah, it's much more. Well, well, in terms in terms of the in terms of your sort of entry into the music industry. Well, I've got a perfect example when we did the uh, we 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 got approached when we had the logo and stuff to to do uh, uh, some by Jim Beach, who's Queen's manager, to see if we could do something with Queen. There's some some, some Freddie Mercury stuff because of Freddie died, dying a year after he died, and we had a listen and we and we chose Living on My Own, and 
remade, remade this edit and rework with the guys, with some guys in Belgium, um, Sergio Ramirez and Dominic Sass. Um, Ian might turned it down flat, didn't want to know, didn't whatever, but uh, because of the, them having a, a tape deal, tape lease deal, that is, if I could get somebody in Europe to agree that we could manufacture it, it was fine. So, um, it, it Warner's, sorry, EMI in uh, Benelux were having a hard time, so they said, okay, we just want 50% of the receipts, just, just manufacture. Uh, EMI, whatever, here, turned it all down. We shipped in, I think, 7,500 12-inch that, that, that sold before they went crazy. They decided that they should have put it out after all, and, and, it, and, it, and it, uh, it became a number one all around the world. We didn't get paid for it after that, but obviously, because... Uh, they changed the terms of the con of the uh, the counting, but yeah, it was possible to kind of do something like that, something that crazy, and and get it out and get something going, um, in a, in a kind of in that way. <laughs> you wouldn't do now to a degree because because you get spotted straight away on the, uh, you know your uh, your YouTube or uh, even on Mixcloud or or even Facebook these days. It kind of like their, their algorithms would spot you. And so even though Jim Beach wanted to do it, because uh, it's totally still EMI of course could still stop it. So. so do you think that's the lack of understanding now? Because in the past <coughs> people could kind of test the waters as it were and try and see if something was think, was going to spike enough think, for everyone think, to make. Back in the back in the day, to use that horrible phrase, I think you, you know you weren't selling enough. You were, as a little tiny label was putting out. I mean, I looked after Westbound for the UK's label, and everything that he did in there was had loads of samples in it. And I mean, nobody was really that bothered because you weren't troubling the scorers really. You were putting out, you're putting out a few tunes, and you might sell five, ten thousand if you were lucky. And it, it didn't really get on the radar, pretty much. Um, and especially if it was more underground type stuff, it didn't get on the radar. You'd sell them abroad and stuff. It was, but now everything's so available and so visible, people can jump on it much more quickly, and they're going to. I mean, Warner's. We have a problem like doing stuff to the station like Warner's are always just stopping the, the Facebook live and then a week later releasing it because they realize it's a radio show but they do it anyway so it's you know it's it's uh, that didn't happen then now you can't do that <coughs> I think there's a really interesting point actually because it's something since we last talked um, that I've personally fallen foul of is that certain distributors have a kind of blanket we shut down Instagram live we shut down Facebook live and actually the distributor that the label I work for has just moved to to that policy. So essentially, I've had a load of my own music shut down yeah. on these platforms that I've licensed to other labels that, that, that don't own any of the rights, but unfortunately because of the policy of the distributor and the size of the distributor. And it actually seems to come down to something that was that was touched upon in your panel it comes down to essentially it's the onus is on you as the owner to prove that you own it if you're dealing with a major we've had um, all of the platforms will go well we believe the major you have to actually go through all of the hoops well, we do the, it we have to do it all the time with um, with youtube especially um you know counterclaims because when you license content to such a degree and whether it be deliberate or not, the you know licensor is is claiming ownership of their new product, which is a compilation album. And of course, we're then getting claims saying yeah, they're they're claiming ownership of Spirit Chaser, da da da, whatever. And it's like uh, no, that's just a non-exclusive license for a term of five years, blah 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 blah. And then, but it's it's administration. It's a constant headache. It's popping up all the time. Popping up, but at the same time, it's also the flip side is is that you know we've got all of that content uploaded to Google uh, with YouTube, so all the people that are using our music for their you know as a backing track, the videos that they're doing, are now getting all like, oh, my video's been taken down. 
it's like all, all you've got to do is just you know credit the own the, the music as being done and then everything's fine it's all good and they're like I don't understand what you just said you know it's like and, and this is it's, it's prolific through so many um, tiers of um, music ownership and exploitation it's just it's just purely a lack of understanding yeah which is That's really always. failing to catch up with the speed that technology's changing That's always been the problem even like the legal processes to protect like you know I was just saying to Harold about the, the amount of time that it took for like the American download platforms to revise the mechanical payment system whereas in the old ways you know you'd sell some vinyl and they'd give you some money and it's like yeah, the mechanicals come out of that it's like no this doesn't work like that actually because the PRS were like uh, you owe us loads of mechanicals no we don't yes you do <laughs> so for do people we? who don't understand oh, yeah uh, but you know we're not mechanically reproducing music yeah, yes, you are. You're the you're the out. You're the portal yeah. that's distributing the music. So for listeners who don't understand, because uh, mechanicals traditionally was kind of it was for the, yeah for the physical it reproduction the, of the music. It was the, the fee music, for the yeah. reproduction of the music, and now how has it been applied to say streaming? Because that's where it gets a bit foggy for a lot. Of people. Well, I mean, it's they've only just managed to sort it out with downloads, really. Mm. You know, it's it's the, the technology happened so quickly, and the legal process took years. So, you know, the, everyone's still rummaging around trying to figure out how to fairly remunerate streaming mm. amongst all the people responsible for creating the product, the content, I should say. Yeah. I think there's, that's where you have grey areas because, you know, having a, had a discussion directly with Bandcamp recently, that's one of their things where they've just kind of held their hands up and gone, we don't do mechanicals. So it's kind of on the labels or the artists to perhaps hold back some of the money that yeah. you're getting from transactions to kind of deal with it at a later date or it's you know it does still seem to be very foggy yeah it's, it is very foggy but it needn't be it's just again it, it's this kind of we're, we're in a period where everybody's just trying to make money they're just trying to make ends meet as a music maker a music distributor content provider whatever you want to call it um, and as we said earlier you know the question you know, what would I change about dance music? And it's, it would be to reevaluate the fairness of remuneration. Mm. So it's not all the brands and the DJs. It's like because without us guys, you'd have an empty dance floor. Exactly. Rich was saying to me, it's like uh, kids now following Glitterbox, right? And they love Glitterbox. Mm. It's like this big brand. And, you know, it's brilliant. I love a lot of their music and their parties and that. But in loving that brand, you're kind of forgetting about the guys in those studios at home making the music that the DJs play, do you know what I mean? The whole yeah. brandification is taken away. I have a, that kind of I've, adoration we had for the artists, because they've just become such a tiny little part of the process. You I have know a very good uh, thing for that it happened to me the other week, I was playing and a girl comes up and says, oh, we're all Glitterbox fans, we love going to Glitterbox, we'll just go girls, play something we're hearing in Glitterbox. I'm like, this is, dan- this, is, this is dancing into the stars, how much more Glitterbox do you want it to be? <laughs> You know, and uh, has no idea what the music is as much as just 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 the idea of oh yeah that's the brand. It's like well this is one of their singles. <laughs> what do you want me to do? It sounds really patronising, but again and again today people keep saying education is the key to a lot of these problems, a lot of different problems in dance music, and it sounds really patronising. But education is the key. Do you know what I mean? People need to, all of us need to learn. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. Well, I mean, as, as industry professionals, we've all had to learn. Yeah. yeah. We've all had to go from 
this is how the industry used to work, and this is how we used to sell our music. We used to pick the phone up and go, all right, uh, <coughs> can I drive up and drop five boxes off for the new Duffnet release with you? And yeah, no worries. Sale and return. Oh, would you mind paying up front? Yeah, all right, no worries. We know we'll shift them. And that was the process, mm. you know, and there was, but now there's this, like, this sense of immediacy that it's, people are like, I can't be bothered to learn how it should work. Yeah. I just want to get the music from here to there as quickly as possible. And yeah. the, middle, the middle bit is like weather. Yeah, do it now and we'll sort out the details later. But yeah, coming back to the education thing. Um, so we were, I don't know if you were at the panel earlier, um, and I think Nick, you made a really salient point about this, which is basically talking about, well, where's the problem at in, and is greed destroying the dance floor and where are the problems there so you've got a group of people kind of essentially blaming each other for that you know agents blaming venues venues blaming agents and DJs and DJs blaming venues maybe it's a squiggly line of abuse um, but Nick made the point that a lot of the topics that are brought up there um, you know you said that 20 years ago, South by Southwest, South by Southwest on a, a panel, panel discussing the same thing. Really? You know, yeah, it's, uh, and, and again, here That's is one. Depressing, yeah. yeah so, it's <laughs> so here's the first question, and, and, and why it's, I don't think it, the question is why, why is there a lack of diversity in music? So the question really should be like, why are we still talking about a lack of diversity in music? Well, yeah, the question could be the question who should be responsible for educating? Well, the answer is we all should, yeah. shouldn't we? It's each one. So we should all. Uh, yeah, but we, we we can try to do our bits, right? But then, if the uh, so-called big guys or big, you know, big labels, if they don't do their bits, and all you get is this brandification, you know what I mean? Uh, mm. uh, independent labels and um, and smallish labels and underground artists. We can try to educate, but who's going to listen to me, for example? You know what I mean? Well, there's a good question, isn't it? Because perhaps people have forgotten how powerful they can be. If you look at politics and, and everything, that kind of it's we it's there's been a it's by design that we feel like we can't affect change. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's impotent outrage, and that's kind of what what's driven home to us constantly. And when it comes to underground music, actually, we're not just artists; we're also consumers. And and DJ, let's be honest, DJs are the only people paying for music these days yeah. in any real way. So actually, we call the shots here. Hmm. And that can be forgotten a lot, I think. And one of the more depressing was the first panel of the day that I found quite depressing, which was a large independent talking about the number of releases they put out. You know, we put 30 releases a week out, and this is what we do. And someone said, well, how are you supposed to break through as a new artist who doesn't have these metrics of, you know, I've got yeah. this many Spotify plays, this many Shazams, and then we look at those metrics, and then if, they, if the artist has got that many things, then we ask them for a track. And the response was they need to make more music. Yeah, make, yeah. More, make more music. Let's and response. Yeah. <laughs> the other response, make more music. So glad I wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you should create your own event. That was it. Yeah. So the, it didn't actually answer how can I make it to the top, so to speak, or how can I cut it through It's the, become an entirely parasitic fog. relationship yeah. where they're waiting for people to build a brand to a certain level. And then, and then they're going, well, let's just swallow that up in our giant snowball that we're rolling down the to hill. Degree, to a degree, though, that builds on white label culture as much as people are putting out white labels that will get some traction and start to go, and then your tongues or your ever come in for it and want to and and mm. sign it for the label. I mean, 
that in itself hasn't changed. What's changed, as we discussed before, is the, is the level at which that happens. Like, you'd already made some money by the time they came into license mm. tune. Now, they don't even talk to you until you've got that kind of profile, which is the, which is the, uh, the, the, the situation. You know. I mean, the only, the only data that I really, the due diligence I do when we get demos from artists, and I don't know who they are, and I listen to the music, and I think, oh, I'm kind of, I'm liking what I'm hearing. Um, I'm generally not that bothered about how many followers they've got because, by and large, most of them buy them anyway, so it's false statistic. Um, but I'm more concerned about what kind of presence they have online, what kind of a public figure they are. Mm, yeah, and I have, I have had a record sent, which I, I actually really liked. It was a Deep House thing. I was like, well, this would be good for guests. I like this. And, um, and I thought I'd just go and see what this guy's like. Looked at his Instagram, there wasn't an awful lot of stuff going on there. So I thought, well, whatever. There's no, there's no porn or any stuff on there. Went to his Facebook and I spotted a couple of comments that I would have regarded to have been borderline anti-Semitic. Oh, wow. And I was like, I don't really need to have this association. Um, and I was just very polite. I said, you know, the release schedule is is pretty jammed. I said, you know, I wish you the best of luck with your music. I didn't want to kind of make a point of what I'd read because I didn't want to provoke a reaction. I was just like, I'm just going to step away. Not from for this. us. Yeah. You know, mm. Likewise, um, you come across someone and you think, oh yeah, this is this is uh, this is quite a cool track, and you go you go and look on their socials and. And you see that they are very, very keen and very eager to wash their dirty laundry in public. And you just think, don't really need your shit in my life either, quite frankly. So it's like, no thanks. Yeah, I think... Um, so there's a, there's a responsibility from the ground up. Massively. Um, but statistics and all the metrics you're talking about... I mean, maybe, maybe I'm too old school as a, as a record label, but you know, it doesn't concern me, because it's, it's, it's not real figures. Yeah, it's not real figures. It almost felt like this panel. I don't know whether I'm reading into it, Massey. You were there, so maybe you can say whether whether I was or I wasn't. But it kind of feels like within the industry, they, they've been trotting these things out for a long time. About you've got to do this with your socials, you've got to build this, build that, and it feels like there's this creeping realization among these people that maybe actually like it needs to be good as well and and, <laughs> and what an awful thought that is because you know I don't know what you know at least if it's if we're looking at numbers we can kind of judge things but it struck me because someone from a radio background asked the question because early on one of the guys from one of these large independents literally dismissed radio just went radio isn't a factor anymore and I my experience is kind of that I mean we get spot plays on radio one which in the past would have done something and we don't really see an impact in terms of sales but I think I hate to use the word curation but maybe you know what everyone's starting to realize is that the algorithm perhaps when you're dealing with art well, abs abs absolutely. someone hasn't built the correct algorithm absolutely yet, I mean maybe maybe, maybe you, we we all put faith in the algorithms and I'm talking about Facebook Instagram Spotify you name it iTunes whatever and then they're actually starting to realize. One, someone on the panel actually said something like there that we are go we'll have to go back to curated content because mm -hmm. you'll have to put. It's like radio, right? There, 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 is, there needs to be a bond between the listener, and you need to put a face to who you're listening to. This everything is becoming cold. <laughs> Sorry, Nick's just found a headline. 
Rolling Stone uh, earlier at the end of last month, Warner Brothers have signed a 20 album deal with an algorithm. There you go. <laughs> just so, about. Uh, it's a, it's a startup just that, in. startup that decided to do a uh, to, to kind of that you could put your likes in and they create music for you to go to sleep well, to. There's a session on AI tomorrow, yeah. isn't it? And Warner's signed a 20 album deal with them, just like just like that, yeah. straight away. <laughs> So he will. Here goes our theory. <laughs> there you go. If you read the content, I got an email from a guy <coughs> who um, is doing some kind of music conference or wanting to start a music conference in Lisbon. Mm. I know he's moved it to Berlin now because he, basically nobody in Lisbon was interested. <laughs> um, so he's, he's moved it to Berlin, but it's definitely, you know, he sent me a list of the uh, sort of provisional delegates and he was just the guys up there. You know the cigar chomping, um, you know bigwigs, and he introed me to a guy and said, "I think it'd be really interesting if you to talk to this dude. He's doing this kind of, kind of AI music creation stuff." And I was like, "You do realise who you're emailing here? I'm a songwriter. <laughs> yeah. I don't want like some binary code making music for me. Thanks very much." Um, and he was very very keen and very enthusiastic he's essentially he's a, he's a he's a tech guy he hasn't any interest in music itself mm. um, and he sent me the link to the website and I kind of went through it all um, and I was just very honest with him I said you know I, th I think what you're you're looking for here is a solution to something that doesn't really isn't, isn't for something that's not, not a problem I said the world is full of extremely talented songwriters you know, we don't really, you know, I, I wish you the best of luck, but I can't see how our company and your idea can coexist. Because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're talking about auto-generating music, and it was shit as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I understand this, this constant need for sort of evolution. You know, what was wrong, what was wrong with vinyl back in 1996? There was nothing wrong with it. But somebody thought, oh, MP3, small data files, we'd share them really easily. Uh, suddenly there's this next thing. Yeah. It's always yeah. the answer, isn't it? And then there's an element when it comes to songwriting or putting music together in, yeah. an, in an intelligent way that almost feels a bit like the, the butterfly collectors yeah. of old kind of taking something beautiful and then killing it and taking it apart to find, try and find out what, yeah. what makes it move and live. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's very. Well, the thing is that we've been living in this in this environment for years now, where um, music has been at the mercy of, of technology. Mm. I think you. I mean, I've always had a problem back in some back in the day with the where they put the cover mounts like with like you, Warner's and your Universal wouldn't clear a sample for you, but they'll stick all their artist music. Uh, as a giveaway on the cover of the cover of a of a, of a magazine, of a music magazine, whatever, and then complain that people don't take music seriously and not, they don't, they won't pay enough for it. Well, you've yeah. just given them twenty tracks on a, for a, on the cover of a magazine that sells for four thirty that only sells because it's got the tracks on it. But you're giving them away for free, as far as anybody's hmm. concerned. It's always been a weird mindset that to me. Yeah. It's like, yeah. why would you do that? But it was always in the, in the way of like, oh, marketing. We'll get the we'll get the return later in the day. But it just cheapens the whole thing, really. So in my mind, it's always. Mm. I mean. I know it's, it's still going on, obviously, but obviously CDs are dying out completely. Yeah. But it's a, but it's still a, it's, it's always seemed like a weird thing to me. You kind of the first thing you do is cheapen what your product is by giving loads of it away. It seems really well, I weird. Mean, I mean, what was the what was year one um, 
expenditure for Spotify. It was something like $219 million or something, wasn't it? Because mm. obviously, they, in order to even have a business idea, yeah. they needed content. So it's like, hey, majors, we need your content. Yeah. Give us your money, then. Endless rounds of, of funding followed by a nice yeah. fat payout. Exactly. All and with most favoured nations last, agreement. Last year, was it Warner that sold its share? Mm. Or it was Warner, I think, wasn't it, that sold its share in Spotify. Yeah. And I remember reading it, I was thinking, what's their game then? Mm. What's their, you know, there's something going on there. Yeah, definitely. Well out of, the, well out of our reach of, you know, you know, it's definitely not a music thing. No, 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 it's it'll be about how much more money you can make with that investment. You know, was, <laughs> that, was that a caveat in the original deal? Grill. Yeah. When they got the money from Spotify, yes, you can have a content for this much money, but we will sell our share after this many years and mm. you know blah 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 I don't know it's it's um it's one of the I'm not going to say it's a disheartening thing because I'm I'm, I'm the, the eternal optimist and I'm perpetually excited by music and where it's going and what's happening with it but it, I try not to get too wrapped up in all the bits that essentially control the, the, the content side, the tech side. Yeah. I end up going on all kinds of tangents and get lost in this world of shit that I really don't want to get involved in. Because I'm yeah. like, I could have spent the last four hours making the next, you know, score for whatever film or the next record that might have got signed by da 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 or that did this or did that. And and it, I, yeah. I've just been consumed, you know, by this, like, What's everyone up to? What are they doing? Exactly. What's their motive? We all we all come together <laughs> at things like this and we talk about it. But I think it's important to remember that the consumer doesn't really care how the sausage is made. No. And they actually don't. they want us to give a nice presentation of like, it's all great, it's yeah. all fun. it's back there, it's great. Even though we you know, we might have seen some some things in the you know, in the back of the sausage factory <laughs> that we don't like the look of. You know. You've got to stop going to those clubs. I keep yeah. talking. <laughs> <laughs> but as been, Scott's music has been characterised by the big deception, I always think, since digital anyway. Every producer that I know is always presenting an image of themselves online as successful, and every mm. producer I know, apart from you, isn't. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Well, whole, I haven't shaved for ages. <laughs> I, can't, I can't afford a razor. Richard lives <laughs> under a bridge. What are you talking Huge about? Huge deception. <laughs> I actually, really? I, actually that, funny you say that, I do know a guy who's got a tune that's, that's smashing it on tracks or something at the moment, and he's, he's homeless. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And equally, when people, I mean, you've been to my Absolutely house, true. people say, cool, you've got a really nice house, you've got a really nice car. It's like, none of this came from house music. Yeah, this yeah. is all from music elsewhere. But mm. if you were to look at Facebook or Instagram and look at DJs, you'd think, wow. All those DJs are killing. That local DJ who's got a gig in Reading on Thursday yeah. night, he's killing it. Look at his lifestyle, do you know what I mean? Mm. We've all kind of participated in this huge deception, big cultural deception that I think now we're kind of paying the price for. Because yeah. those other people have gone, oh, that looks good, I'll go and do that then. And suddenly, mm. it's all it, alive. In all the background, down, the, the infrastructure is quietly removed. Yeah. 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 And you're just with this kind of shell of, of lives that we're all living mm-hmm. in. <laughs> 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 How was the eye culture you did in, in Manchester? It's like it was shit. It was crap. There was a marathon or nobody came. Uh, but hey, you win some, you lose some. You know, two months later, you go. How was your eye culture in, in London? It was absolutely rammed. It was one. In, you know, there was no room for anyone else in yeah. it. And it's. I think if people were a little bit more honest and forthcoming, that it's okay to be like, ah, that wasn't very good. See, when people have that bad gig, they always go on the next day on, on social media, like, thanks for everyone who came down, man, it was fucking hard. Are they, are they, are they the humbled? Gig. Do you know what I mean? So, are they humbled? Oh, yeah. You're so all humbled, yeah. aren't we? Do you know what I mean? It's I'm all about being humbled. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 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 
or if you, you know, after you know, you've seen a lot of promotion, yeah. a lot of noise That's from an event yeah. brand, so, yeah. da, 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 and then the next day they're quiet. Yeah, it's the problem. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's like I didn't quite, yeah. quite. It's, it's okay just to say, you know, for those that did come, thank you. Blah 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 blah. We'll be seeing you at the next one. It is it's phenomenally it, it is okay to see a post from someone say it was shit last night. Do you know what I mean? Mm, it was yeah. awful. There was only half full. I was yeah. really struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Just see that, and that's what life is like for a lot of DJs, man. Particularly at the low level, yeah, no, a lot of shit that. kicks. Do you know yeah. What I mean? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what you, well, you're right. Yeah. I know that. Right? Yeah. But what you see is the actual, is the thought of the DJ and the booth and nothing else yeah, yeah, yeah. saying that was great. You oh, don't yeah. see the empty dance floor, which is as you said, it should be. You know, it's it, that happens. Yeah, this whole generation growing up thinking this is pucker. All I got to do is that, and it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. But without opening the massive can of worms, though, this could, you know, you you could, the extent of this then leads on to the the well-being of those involved that are on the front line, mm -hmm. the music makers and music mm -hmm. providers, the DJs, that have been led up the garden path by their peers, as it's a fucking great life, mm -hmm. and then they realise it actually isn't. Mm. And then you've got this whole situation where people are going, oh, we need more awareness for mental health, and da da da. It's like, I think we're all pretty aware, it's just that the, the system is duping mm -hmm. the next generation into thinking that it's bloody brilliant. Well, it is, but it's also bloody awful as well at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in the interests of you know we're in a situation now which is again it's a constant sort of uncharted territory. But you look at an event like this, and, and you know music equipment manufacturers are a large part of it. You know, and on the club side of it, large brands like Red Bull are so ingrained in at a level that we don't even notice. Most people don't notice, and often it causes a debate when someone calls it. But you know, you yeah. see um, you see certain countries that they're really aggressively going into and some people are kind of reacting heavily against that. And you kind of see it's in so many people's interests to sell that dream of kind of it, you can be successful, it's more than just a hobby. I think you know? a bit more transparency, a bit more yeah. honesty right through the whole yeah. you know, from the ground up yeah. would would make it a much easier place for people to operate in. But that honestly because if people had a shit kick, or like, well, fuck me, that record didn't go down as mm. quite as well as they wouldn't feel mm. ashamed. Or well, like, I was off well, my game what? playing it's a few the mixes tonight. It was terrible. Yeah, I, didn't, I just didn't connect. Yeah. I didn't feel good. I'm sorry, I picked the wrong tunes tonight. Yeah. 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 Sometimes yeah. you just feel bad. Sometimes <laughs> you play a set and you just don't feel right yeah, the whole exactly way through. Exactly what happened on Saturday. going through the motions. Yeah. Like, well, we did a, like a co-host with iCulture at Madam in Amsterdam, which is where we've done a lot of our ADE parties. And I genuinely just had a shit set. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot of people who have really enjoyed that. And I was like, well, I'm glad you did, because I did. Mm. That's where practice comes in, because like, your, your bad set should still be good. I was just like, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel that flow. You know, every, every track choice and every mix felt forced rather than it was just a fluid, mm. that was nice. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody was like, why are you beating yourself up about this so much? And I was like, because if I stop asking questions of myself, then I'm either lying to myself, that likes Rosie all the time, or I'm in a position where I'm, I'm not striving to kind of make sure that I'll do everything I can for that to not happen the next time. It's impossible because you will have a bad <laughs> you might You might have the shits and think, <laughs> I, I need this set. To, I, I need this set to be over literally now. Otherwise, I'm going to fucking fill my pants. 
before I actually my set. It's funny, back in, I, I lived in New Zealand. People don't hear about that on social media, do they? Please tell us, please tell us the story. But, it, but it's true, that actually happened. And uh, <laughs> I had, had Wellington is a small place and I had two gigs in one night, yeah. which is, you know, way, but two clubs really close to each other. And I used to be very close to, 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 to both clubs. And yet, had the shits then I had to I had to talk to one of the promoters and say, look, do not walk away from the DJ booth because I'm I'm actually have to run away because I'm actually I'm super yeah. sick. And that ended up being one of my best nights ever. <laughs> because, because I was on I was on the edge all night. Walking the tight, right? Yeah, and I was so focused <laughs> on the music because I didn't want to shit myself in public. Yeah. In public. I, I, I played in Italy in 2002. Myself in public. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can all get behind that. Or <laughs> in front, preferably. <laughs> 2002, okay. I'd, I'd been out in London with copyright uh, Sam and, and Gavin. And we'd been to the cinema and I'd eaten a dodgy hot dog. Oh, and oh. I was feeling a little bit ill on the way home. In the morning, I woke up at like half past five, I had a, an early flight. I was like, oh, this is horrible. And it was. You know, the promoter was just a cheap ass fucking whatever. He booked me like two changes. I was like, I was only going to Naples for crying out loud. <laughs> and I went via this, that, and the other. Anyway, I got to the hotel and I was like, man, this is like through the arm needle. This is not good. I feel terrible. Um, and I got a phone call saying, five minutes, can you do a radio interview? What? I was like, oh, man. Um, and then he said, no, no, from the hotel room, it's cool. We do, do a phone now. I was like, okay, fine. Anyway. I was looking at the watch and I was thinking, if he doesn't phone now, I'm going <laughs> to... Anyway, in the end I was like, I've got to go, I've got to go. No, it's not quite a reverb interview by any chance. phones me up whilst, I'm, whilst I'm on the toilet. <laughs> right. And he goes, hey, Anita, yeah, da -da -da, how's it going? I said, I've got food poisoning, I'm having a shit. <laughs> the, I, that was like, that's my opening line. <laughs> I said, it's not great. Did they, um, go, did they go through with the interview? Yeah, the whole interview went long and they were like, well, hopefully you'll be feeling better for later. I said, so do I. Yeah, and then so we, awesome. we drove up into this castle in the middle of nowhere. Wow. With, like, the backdrop was um, you know, serious. It was just incredible. Oh, beautiful. Um, and I had a brilliant gig. Yeah, for good. the very same reason. <laughs> you know, the, there was a girl who was my kind of, she was my sort of, she was going to look after me for the night and she was very, very sexy. You know, see little cowboy boots. Like some weed, and I was like, I, I can't imagine anything else being more wrong right now. <laughs> but all right then, <laughs> so I was completely off my face doing this, doing this set, and I'd forgotten about everything. It was almost like it was, um, it was, it was, it was like I'd eaten like seventy-eight eggs. It just everything just clogged up, and I was like, fine for the entire set. As soon as I got back to the hotel room, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But I couldn't say that on Facebook because it didn't exist no. at the time. Well, now no. you're saying yeah. it. Yeah. Now, now you're, you're saying, saying it. Like retrospective stories of Richard Earnshaw. If anybody's listening, it seems the best way to get a good gig is to really? definitely eat something really dodgy beforehand. Yeah. 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 Well, you are because you're kind of like you are on edge. You're thinking, oh, I'm not careful. I mean, I did a boat party once on the on the Thames. This is actually not so long ago. And it, you know when it you know it's one of those typical sort of. From Millennium Pier boat, it was yeah, yeah. sweat dripping off the walls. Mm. And it was brilliant. The whole the boat was literally bouncing around on the water. And it was so hot. And I remember thinking to myself, God, that was a that was a bit dodgy. I was thinking, I might have to go and have a little check and a rewipe. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is having a great time and I'm thinking about going to the bog for a rewipe. 
Um, and uh, I thought this 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 might this might end badly. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm considering the possibility that I might have to go back out to the booth in commando. And, uh, <laughs> This is getting sexy. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, this is the real life of a DJ. Um, and uh, and I was like, right, I'm going to have to go check. So I, I, I put on um, Tribute to Fella, because I was like, that's 11 and yeah. a half minutes. I've got plenty that's of time. Song, yeah. I've got plenty of time. Yeah. So off I went. Yeah, you look fine, love. And I went in. Everything was fine. It was all absolutely fine. I was like, brilliant. I'm happy now. Next yeah. record, Backfired, Masters of Work. I was like, Bun. you have no idea the significance of this record people on the dance floor. I always used to go for the Blaze Shelter oh. remix of Star Suite by Mondo yeah. Grosso. That's Everyone's a got one. a poo record in their collection. Exactly. What's your poo record? What's the latest long mix Louis put out? Everything he's put out at the moment is about 11 and a half minutes long, so you're always yeah. lost those. Well, the new Luther Van Dross. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Yeah. My body, I, I can get at least three poos in that. <laughs> yeah. Nine it's minutes, very seconds. Bottles, man. You can do a poo, you can do a wee, you can yeah. do whatever you like. Can't you? blimey. You know, they've got 16 minutes, haven't they? A hand yeah. party compilation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely don't know where to go after that. No, we've, we've gone on a massive tangent. We've gone from, like, sort of the, the ethics of. Um, responsibilities to (laughs) you know we've skirted across the subject of uh, mental health and well-being and now we're on to shit literally it's where everything ends it all ends in shit (laughs) absolutely true (laughs) you might get like a one minute article out of this oh no this has been going out unedited (laughs) as it always does we (laughs) have one (laughs) wrong You know how this works. Yeah, I know, I know. The complaints yeah. come afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, bringing it back vaguely <laughs> to the same like. subject. So we could bring it back to music. Let's bring, well, no, let's bring it back <laughs> to the written word of music, because since we last talked, you're, you're kind of writing a lot more for a lot yeah. more publications. Um, yes, and it feels like a very... I mean, this is the thing. I think a lot of the things that we've been discussing are not unique to music. For example, my sister's a professional photographer and the issues that you have over the sort of democratisation of technology and then these agencies undercutting each other and the general value and understanding of copyright going away. Um, But it feels like, for a long time, music journalism, and I think it would be fair to say that most of the major magazines were sort of 80 or 90% advertorial at one point, you know, i.e. most of the content in major music magazines was paid for by someone. Do you know that? Or is that yeah. what you think? Okay. That's what I know. Because I hear a lot of people saying that and I often... Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the case yeah. now, okay. but I think for a while, and then, you know, we're, for a long time, everyone's essentially been publishing the same material but with a different headline. Um, but it seems like perhaps there is a return to long form. And, for example, what you're doing is, seems to be connecting. It'll be nice. Are you feeling? Are you feeling like that, or is it one of I those things like where the like same sort of thing when you're talking to another artist and you know? I, I think it's really important to capture the extreme relaxation. <laughs> yeah, it's a long day. Harold is uh, yeah reclining. I'm a tired being. Um, <laughs> you obviously have that dodgy like, book. <laughs> I feel like the discourse has improved. I think there's a lot of uh, we're talking about a lot of stuff. I, I, I pitch ideas to magazines, and then I see someone else has written the same thing. So I think the discourse is improving, but I think much like other industries, there's not quite enough money to make it work. It's very difficult for me to write an article that requires a lot of research because I get paid quite a small amount of money for it, do you know what I mean? So you look for shortcuts, 
you look to do interviews, because interviews are nice and easy, do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think the, the discourse is improving. It seems like the last couple of years there's been a lot more political writing, a lot more, you know, long pieces, like you say. Sorry, we, do we have to go? No, no, you're okay for me now. I'm just asking what time's going on to describe. Another 10 minutes? Probably about 10, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, man. Nice. Thank you. So yeah, I forget where I was now. I was talking about me, wasn't I? The discourse is improving. The discourse is definitely yeah. improving, I think, yeah. I think as we're getting older, we're talking more about more serious stuff like misogyny. Mm -hmm like our mental health, like drug use and so on, because I think the whole community is ageing, so inevitably those issues are coming up more. But like I say, you know, people aren't buying magazines, mate, do you know what I mean? Mm. I buy my magazine that I'm in, because I'm in it, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't see many other, it feels a bit like DJs, I wonder if all the people buying DJ Mag are the people who've written it, do you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to think maybe there's a few more people buying it, but yeah, it's tough out there. Yeah, I mean, maybe across all, all all of these things that we're talking about, you know, when it comes to writing, you know, I'm certainly on the fringes of it and the rest of us are on the outside. So what we see is a very, you know, it seems to me that there's a lot of really nice, well-considered thought pieces appearing about music that perhaps weren't around five or six years ago. That's a good when thing. It got very yeah. clickbaity. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I would agree with that. And I think it's all down to me. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I would take all the credit for that. So question, question to the group, because we're going to have to wind up very shortly. No, I was just thinking, we have to come sick. Just yeah, fact. No, no, let's no, come no, back, let's get back to that. Could end on sick. So one quick question. Um, yeah. The week after Record Store Day was the highest... Record Shop Day. Record Shop Day? Yeah. Record Shop Day. Americans, aren't they? Apologies. Was the biggest selling week for vinyl since 1991. Yes. Wow. But... My question to you each in turn is, does that actually tell any kind of relevant story to what we do? Who are you starting with? Start, let's start with you, Richard. Uh, no. <laughs> I can... <laughs> Goodbye. Tell, tell us why. Um, well, I can honestly say that in the last, well certainly, um, what we now, 2019, at least 10, 12 years, I've not set foot in a nightclub as a DJ and seen a pair of 1210s. So the, the point I'm making is that the, the, the people that are buying the vinyl are collectors yeah. and they are mm. not performing or broadcasting that material. Mm. So it's not being consumed by the, the bigger picture. It's just for their own collection, their own kind of like, I've got this vinyl, it sounds, I love playing, I love playing vinyl. But I don't ever perform it out in the clubs because the, te you know, the actual technology is not there to do it unless there are specific or you ask for it. So it's lovely that a, a, f a format that we've all, you know, kind of grown up with as providers of music and distributors of music is seeing a, a resurgence and is being very fondly um, sort of recuddled, shall we say. But it's by you know it's it's not going to impact the um, the, the the greater environment of, of consumption of music. How? Because I, the opposite is happening. Streaming has become a much bigger tool to reach you know those that you know even the downloads now is predominantly if not entirely a DJ um, purchasing environment. Yeah, it seems um, like streaming and vinyl will survive. So you've got collectors, professional um, performers, and then you've got consumers, and they're all on different formats. Yeah. I agree with Rich. I think that's 
Exactly, yeah. And also, I think that if you look at those vinyl sales, they're not 12 inches anyway. They're not techno. They're, you know, Dire Straits 12 uh, albums. Yeah, a lot of them have repress of, yeah, loads of a lot of, like, um, I know the guys that run um, uh, Prime mm. really well, and probably 85, 90% of their output is repress. They've done deals with majors that want to repress some of the older disco stuff, and it's flying out the doors. Mm. I think you know people are buying. So it's not new music that's being yeah. exploited by this. It's, it's actually you know uh, repressings of older stuff a lot of the time. Like I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this final peak is going to pass us by completely. Do you know what I, mean? I, I don't think it's anything to do with us. Really. From from the experience I have the label I work for, we expected it to burst a few years ago yeah. and what I'm seeing now is something more sustainable emerging okay. with little venues like Spiritland appearing in London which yeah. are kind of based on the Japanese jazz kisser so they're not nightclubs they're audiophile bars they have DJs and they invite people to play records um, it's a whole different thing but I think it's kind of I personally I see it as something that's perhaps it's kind it's of a it's, very it niche. may be here to stay actually because I think people are sick of of nightclubs full of Instagrammers people who are really into music mm. that's a whole different conversation because <laughs> we know about the backlash that happened when um, Defected littered the internet with all of their uh, New Year's Eve at midnight pictures and there was mm. not one person there just basically trying to find someone to have a good kiss with and have a bit of fun oh, it was all fucking smartphones yeah. and I'm like brilliant did you enjoy yourself well, I'll check it on your phone later Yeah. to yeah. see if I enjoyed it or not yeah Exactly. Um, that that one moment in time that you'll never get back, you were fiddling around with your phone. Yeah, exactly. So you, you think the vinyl resurgence is like a sustainable... I think people think want... All, I think it's part of... I think people want authenticity again. And I know that vinyl is, is it for a while. It very much felt like a hipster medium that was... It was exactly what you were talking about. But what we're starting to see now is something a little bit different i think our record massey you were at our record store day yeah. event and you you saw firsthand it, what happened yeah it was it, it felt like it, it was out of the uh, 90s really yeah a party from the 90s mm. i mean i completely for the first time in years um i i had to take some photos because i ran uh, strictly underground music so i need to document but I completely got lost in dancing so much that I got lost track of you and another two um, guys I met and it was just like sublime and yes as you said before yes Louis Vega was behind the decks but first time ever in a long time and that, that actually made me think about lots of lots of things I think there's something happening <coughs> I, I sensed I it really because I, so. I think there's a, there was an in-between generation and obviously an event like the one we had brought the old heads out it brought the old you know London sort of dancers out which was made, makes a huge difference when you've got those heads in in a venue but the other thing that happened was that the sort of what I call almost like the lost generation which we're talking about the kind of CDJ and Instagram generation there's also youngsters coming into it yeah the, the young kids who are kind of bringing jazz back you know in a major way as and sort of reclaiming it as an urban art form in London you know what's happening in London is quite exciting at the moment, and those people would you wouldn't even see them in a in a in a nightclub at a house music event. They're very they're consuming music very differently, mm. and they're they're consuming it on vinyl and not just necessarily as collectors. I think we're going to see more small vinyl 
venues popping up that are more like bars, perhaps with a little dance floor. I don't know. I think Again. As, as someone that, that, that performs music as, as much as produces, writes it, you know, sells it, whatever, if when I start to see people saying, hey Rich, you've been around literally for a hundred million years, would love you to play at this venue, it's vinyl only, mm-hmm. it's like to come down. If I, if, if I was ever asked to do that and I could then see with my own eyeballs that there was something beyond the collector, mm-hmm. then I would almost certainly shift my opinion. Mm-hmm. But right here and now, from where I'm sat, you know, it's like you say, you've had a, a brilliant night for the records, um, record shop today. <laughs> but like, say it was Louis Vega, you know, he could literally turn up and play farts for two hours and he would have a crowd. Mm-hmm. So it's not a particularly accurate representation of, of how it really is I don't think mm. What? where do you um, see things Nick? I don't know because I mean like Charles Green <coughs> mate of mine he's just got a residency out in Paris plays techno only on vinyl mm. so it's uh, so he only plays vinyl so I don't know there are certain people out there doing that uh, mm. uh, whether that's particularly niche in particular genres I don't know but because uh, I haven't got that much Current that many current friends, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, certainly with Charles, he's getting quite a high profile. He, you know, he, he plays on vinyl, he releases his stuff on vinyl, and you know, it, it's important to him. I see yeah. quite a few people around the world doing vinyl events. You know, making sure it's all vinyl. Like you say, a lot of that is kind of revival, and maybe and maybe kind of like old school guys getting back and playing their old sets and stuff. But um, I don't know. I think there is some sort of search for authenticity out there in a way, if you like to say that. Um, so, so the next question is to kind of rewind back to what we were talking about, the sort of a slightly fairer enumeration of the 100% of money that the music industry generates, rather than it all going to the DJ and all going to the promoter. It's like, you know, the music makers that make the noise that makes them money need a little bit more acknowledgement for their contribution. So with vinyl in, you know, with this conversation, if the, the DJ that's getting paid to do a vinyl only set, you know, the guy that made the record itself, how is he making his money? Mm. You certainly can't go, hey, I, I make music and it's on vinyl, it's brilliant. You know. yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't see anybody making a living out of 300 He's probably making you know. more money um, undoubtedly. Out, out of sync licensing or streaming the well, complete think, opposite end of the scale I, I think the way certainly the way I see it going is that vinyl and streaming will survive and I think those two actually work quite nicely yeah. together <clears throat> in a way that perhaps vinyl and download and CD were trying to do the same thing I think I think you know most younger people especially people who are into vinyl they have this you know they listen to it on Spotify they might buy the vinyl because they want the physical products they want the thing at what point I know that we need to at what point do are we going to us as old generation are we going to give up are we ever going to give up death death yeah exactly Pretty much. <laughs> because you know, lots of lots of uh, social media. I don't know how to do anything else, but what's my yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this so long. What else? Where else am I going to fit into something? But, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but also, isn't it important that we keep, um, you know, quotes? I mean, educating. I mean, not not in an arrogant way, but you know, just keep passing. Well, it, it could be said that this, this resurgence of the vinyl format, for example, that is being supported and championed and performed by the next generation of DJ mm. 
you know, we could probably confidently attribute that because all of us old farts have passed on that knowledge of this is what it used to be like. Mm. We used to use this weird stuff that was black and it was circular. Mm. It was 12 inches or maybe seven. And noise came out when you put this needle on it. It's like the, the technology is amazing. You look how the, how the grooves work on the... And, mm. you know, it's, it is without us still holding on to a little bit of nostalgia and a bit of romance. Mm. You know, there has to be a connection somewhere. Yeah. Is it how it generations work? Much Maybe in the there's... same way that it, it's reverse. The kids are all on Spotify. You yeah. know, if you moan about streaming and go, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to put myself on Spotify. Okay, nice one. Brilliant. That's however many tens or thousands, millions, hundreds of millions of people are not going to hear your music. Mm. If you don't want them to hear your music, that's, that's cool. You just sit in your big armchair giving Werther's Originals to small children. The mm. point being is that because we've kind of seen this technology develop, and gone, hmm, we need to embrace this, we need to see where it's going to go, get involved, participate, rather than kind of try to, you know, counter it. So it's the same way. You know, we certainly, you know, it's the, the technology firms invented something and the kids got onto it because they could go on their, their phones and for 10 quid they could literally consume everything. Yeah. Well, yeah, you could go, well, that's not very fair, is it? Mm. But, you know, you look at your... your your, your statistics and you think well that's however many hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people that wouldn't have heard my music because I know for a fact that a lot of those people have listened to whatever I've put up on there it's been because it's been recommended by an algorithm because they might have liked Jamiroquai or this or that and it's like oh you might like research or and they go oh I might check it out so it's like oh yeah I like this mm. Exactly. There's that, there's positive. It's a promotional tool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't think don't think of it as like a solution to your no. you know, your your mortgage payments. It's like it's a promotional tool. Mm. And anything that's you know, I think that's the problem is sometimes we scramble from one answer to the next answer because all of these things are always marketed as if this is a sort of an answer. The reality is it's it's just another little Yeah. And it's another little yeah. gig or you know, whatever yeah. it is, it's another yeah. Outlet. Not looking for solutions, just looking for opportunities. Yeah. Well, I think often, you know, social media technology, lots of people, especially the, the, the youngest generation, they see that as a shortcut or as a quickest way to get to where they think they're going to get. And, and it's, I don't think that's the case at all. Well. Yeah, I mean, hope with the, uh, with the buying follower scandals that uh, people wouldn't buy into it still, but they do. So they do. They? Yeah. So, mm. you know. Finish on a depressive note, shall we? Yeah. Thanks for that, Nick. No worries. <laughs> I'm really good at that. I get invited to lots of parties once. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow with more stuff and nonsense, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But until then, thanks, Richard. Pleasure. Thanks, Harold. Also a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Massey. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Are you? Oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>